All right. Well, today's scripture uh, comes from Psalm 23. Uh, I apologize. Uh, I sent the wrong information or didn't update the information to the people who are making the bulletin. And so that didn't make its way into the digital bulletin. I apologize. But we will be reading from Psalm 23. And uh, we're going to read in the ESV. Uh, we'll be doing an alternate reading, which means that I'll read the first verse and we'll all respond with the verse after that. We'll go back and forth until the end. We encourage you to look that up in uh, those pew Bibles or if you have a, a Bible app or brought your own Bible. And so please stand as able uh, once you're ready to read the scripture. It's, uh, again, it's Psalm 23. We'll be reading the whole thing. It's only six verses there. So may the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You may be seated. This is the word of God for the people of God, by the way. Thanks be to God. Amen. All right. Well, brothers and sisters, today's message is called Resurrecting Peace. We've been going through this, this sermon series where we're talking about all the ways that we experience the resurrection. And uh, so we will be talking about peace. And Psalm 23, in many ways, is a psalm of peace. It is one of the most famous passages in Scripture. It is one of my favorites. It's something that I've preached on before. <laughs> and having preached on Psalm 23 many times over the years... I find that I'm learning new things, new wrinkles, that God is speaking to me in new ways. But I also find that there are some ways that maybe I've preached on Psalm 23 in the past that maybe need to be amended a little bit or kind of uh, corrected. You know, sometimes I've shared stories or sermon illustrations that I probably wouldn't use anymore. And I want to share with you one that I think I've used before. Um, I, I don't remember for sure, but certainly one that I've heard about what it means to be a shepherd. And um, maybe you've heard this before. Uh, and, you know, uh, so the, the, the uh, picture here says, good shepherd, question mark. And so I wonder if this is a picture of a good shepherd. But this is a sermon illustration that I heard, that, that this is what shepherds would do in the Middle East. And maybe you guys have heard this too. Um, so this was written by Robert Boyd Munger. Uh, he wrote this book in 1955. And apparently this story ended up in a book uh, on sermon illustrations. And over the years, through the power of the internet, people have told this story in different ways. But this is the original story that I want to read for you. A foreigner traveling in Syria who became acquainted, uh, became acquainted with a shepherd. Each morning, he noticed the shepherd taking food to a sheep that had a broken leg. As he looked at the animal, he asked the shepherd, how did the sheep break its leg? Did it meet with an accident, fall into a hole, or did some animal break its leg? No, said the shepherd, I broke this sheep's leg myself. You broke it yourself? queried the surprised traveler. Yes, you see, this is a wayward sheep. It would not stay with the flock, but would lead the sheep astray. Then it would not let me near it. So I had to break the sheep's leg so that it would allow me day by day to feed it. In doing this, it will get to know me as its shepherd, trust me as its guide, and keep with the flock. Brothers and sisters, is this a good shepherd? I even heard this, this illustration once with the, the very common picture. You guys have probably seen this picture before, right? Of Jesus carrying a sheep over, over his, his shoulders like that. And, and basically hearing this like, hey, so in the ancient world, the shepherd wouldn't have been the one who broke that sheep's leg. That maybe Jesus broke that sheep's leg, right? And it's like, wait, is that a good shepherd? Like, really? 
Um, so in a different version of this story that I've heard too, is that part of the reason why the shepherd breaks the sheep's leg is because, uh, is because, uh, as an example to the other sheep, right? That the other sheep would look at that, that, that the sheep with the broken leg and be like, Oh shoot, I don't want that to happen to me. I better not wander, right? And, and like basically the sheep, the shepherd is making an example, right? Out of that one sheep. You know, the, 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 I don't know. Like, like this makes the shepherd sound like a mafia boss, right? <laughs> Not a good shepherd. You know, brothers and sisters, is this what you think a good shepherd is like? You know, maybe for some of us. Um, and by the way, I, I, I read that uh, the only instance that you can find of this story, it originates from this person who, who wrote this story in 1955. Maybe he did hear this story from one shepherd in, in Syria or something, right? But as far as we can tell, this is not a common practice. But for whatever reason, through the power of the, the uh, internet and just, you know, chain storytelling, that this story gets told many, many times. Maybe you guys have heard it. But as far as we know, shepherds don't actually do this, right? And I think for good reason. But I think that if this is what you think of God, maybe God doesn't really seem like a good shepherd to you. Is this how you see Jesus? That if you sort of fall out of line, you know, if you mess up, if you're straying, that Jesus is going to break your legs so you don't wander from him? Is that how you see Jesus? Is that how you think of God? You know, maybe for some of us, it is. Maybe you do fear punishment from God. You know, maybe you do fear that God will be the one to afflict you with something. I don't know, maybe give you some sickness or give you some hardship in your life in order to bring you back. Hey, you know, at the end of the day, the shepherd is still good because if the sheep wanders away, that the sheep might get hurt worse. This is the way that you hear the story. Right, But my question for you is, will you view the shepherd as good if this is the way that the shepherd actually operates? And is this actually the picture of the good shepherd that you see in Scripture? Today's sermon is called Resurrecting Peace. And oftentimes when I preach this passage, and probably when you have heard this passage, it is a passage that reflects peace. Right? And more specifically, uh, Dallas Willard says that Psalm 23 kind of reflects the heart of the kingdom of God. If you want to know what a kingdom of God heart is like, a heart that is beating with the kingdom rhythms of knowing that God is in charge, that God is your king, look no further than Psalm 23. This is uh, a really the, 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 the kind of way that, that if we actually lived and experienced the kingdom, you might speak very similarly uh, in the way that uh, the psalmist speaks in Psalm 23. You know, it is about peace. And um, so when we read this psalm, I want you to ask yourself, does this sound like the kind of shepherd who will break your legs? <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That first part is so nice, right? You know, the shepherd is leading you to good places. And so this is maybe exhibit A against a good shepherd who breaks her legs, right? That uh, the, the Lord is providing for you. That's what it talks about. The shepherd takes care of your every needs. And so in the NIV, uh, which is also very well known, uh, this version of it, the Lord is my shepherd. It says, I lack nothing. That's what it means to say, I shall not want. It doesn't mean that wanting is bad. It, it means that you don't really need to want anymore because every need is, is being satisfied by the shepherd, right? It is a place of complete satisfaction, right? You lack nothing. You know that you have a provider. The sheep doesn't have to worry like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, where am I going to get my grass? Am I going to get enough grass today? I don't know. And just worry like, oh man, I better plan. I better plan ahead, right? I better hustle so that I make sure I have enough grass. No, the sheep is always led to where it needs to go, right? 
and, and that uh, Dallas Willard points out that why would a sheep lie down in green pastures? It lead, the, the, the sheep is also led beside still waters. But if you've ever seen a sheep, there's only one reason why a sheep would lie down in green pastures. Well, I mean, it's sleepy, right? But if you're in a green pasture and you're a sheep, what are you going to do? You're going to eat, right? But the, the kingdom picture of a sheep is one that is full, right? The sheep lay, lies down in the green pastures because it's had enough to eat, right? It is well provided for. It's walking by the still waters and not drinking the still waters because it's had enough to drink, Right? This is a, a picture of the kind of care that God has for us. We are well provided for. And by the way, there is this idea of safety. A sheep lies down in cream pastures when it knows it is safe. Because as you know, there are wolves and there's all kinds of predators. Right? And animals that know there are predators around will not lay down. They'll be on the watch, right? They'll be standing up. They'll maybe be in a running position. Maybe they'll do some stretching. I don't know. It's like, oh my gosh, there's a wolf nearby, right? I better look out. The, the, the sheep can't sleep, right? The sheep can't lay down. The sheep's got to be aware if there is danger, if there is a predator. But this is a picture of safety, a psychological safety. This is a picture of what the kingdom looks like. One of the things Dallas Willard says that, that for me has been very, very interesting is one of the ways that we know we are in the kingdom or experiencing the kingdom, one of the marks of being in the kingdom of God is not having anxiety, not having fear, right? And for me, that has been so, uh, uh, so Good to know that this is what God wants to offer us. Not just when you die, but remember the message that Jesus brought about the kingdom. Right? He says, I am the good shepherd. Right? The sheep know the voice of their shepherd. And the shepherd knows their sheep. Right? And, and, and if Jesus is the good shepherd, and Jesus says, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's right here. What does he mean by that? It's at hand, right? It's right here with me. Where I am, you are well cared for. Where I am, you have psychological safety. Where I am, you do not need to be anxious or worried, right? This is what Jesus is coming to bring. And um, you know, so I, I want to sort of uh, amend <laughs> some of my past Psalm 23 uh, messages. And, and this is what I, how I used to preach Psalm 23. And I, I actually think this is true, but I want to add to it a little bit. So this is what I used to say. I used to say, yes, peace is very easy when you are in the green pastures and when you are beside the still waters. But the problem is, is that you're not always in the green pastures. You're not always by the still waters. Um, and, and so we think that that's peace. But the picture of peace that Psalm 23 gives us continues in verse 4 and beyond. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And, you know, I would preach this part and, and I'll really lean into it. You know, I, I would say that it doesn't say even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It says even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That's a promise. Right? It's just descriptive of life. You will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And what is the valley of the shadow of death? It is a place where you fear death. Right? This is where all anxiety comes from, by the way. It comes from the fear of death. The shadow of death. It's not necessarily death itself, but it's death's shadow that says you have something to be afraid of. Now I'm adding my own stuff from now. But, you know, what I used to say is that it's not an option to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, right? Where you actually need the peace of Christ is in the valley of the shadow of death. And uh, if you keep on going, right, it talks about you prepare the table before me in the presence of my enemies. This is a place where you feel unsafe, Right? This is a place where you think people are out to get you or persecute you or they're against you in some way. 
right? Being around enemies doesn't feel safe. And so where we are supposed to experience the peace of God, the real peace of God is in the valley of the shadow of death. This is the kind of supernatural peace, the peace that passes all understanding, right? And by the way, brothers and sisters, I think that's absolutely true. But this is where you know, young Pastor Steve, who would preach on Psalm 23 all the time, kind of gets it wrong a little bit. Well, not so so much gets it wrong, but I kind of skip and gloss over the first part. Brothers and sisters, this is the thing. If the, the kingdom of God heart in reality is a place of psychological safety, then this is what I believe. In order to get to the place where you are in the valley of the shadow of death, and you fear no evil. To get to the place where you are chilling with your enemies, and your enemies are sharpening their knives, and they're looking at you, and they're plotting against you, and you are not anxious. You are not worried. This is what I believe. You cannot get there. You cannot get there until you know that the Lord is your shepherd. And I think a part of the Lord being your shepherd is experiencing those moments of being led in the green pastures, having been fed and provided for by this God, right? Knowing that he loves you and he will always provide for you. Being, having those experiences of being led beside the quiet waters, all of this creates the kind of atmosphere and the knowledge of psychological safety. For when you are in the valley of the shadow of death. In other words, you do not get to verse 4, 5, and 6 without verses 1 through 3. Does that make sense? And I think that, I, I don't know if, if this is what I meant, but I think for a lot of us, we think of faith as a test. It's like, oh, verses 1 to 2 is just not reality. And by the way, anyone can do that. So, you know, to pass the test, when you're in green pastures and beside still waters, it's like kind of cheating, right? Like, like you know, someone gave you all the answers to the test, so of course you're going to pass the test, right? Because you have all of the, 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 the things you need for psychological safety right there, right? You're in a place that is naturally peaceful, so of course you're going to be at peace, right? And so kind of the way that, that I used to sort of preach this is like, hey, pff, you know, who cares if you have peace? where it's naturally peaceful. You need to have peace where it's not peaceful. And I think sometimes the implication is, good luck with that. (laughs) You just should have peace and trust in God as a good shepherd, whether or not you believe he is a good shepherd. I don't think I meant this. But I think this is the way it preaches for a lot of us. I think this is the way we interpret it. And by the way, maybe some of us, we think God is the kind of shepherd who breaks our leg. If God is the kind of shepherd who breaks our legs, just imagine the sheep, right, uh, uh, in, in that, that pasture. And the, the sheep is trying to lay down, trying to take a nap, but he keeps looking over at the shepherd. And the shepherd is stretching, right? And the shepherd looks at the sheep and it's like looking at its legs and it's like, what's up, right? And the, the shepherd like is stretching, is doing these weird kind of stretches where it's like, <clears throat> And the she- if you're the sheep, do you think you can take a nap under those circumstances? Do you think you're going to experience a lot of psychological safety? Of course not, right? Brothers and sisters, that is not a picture of the kingdom of God. That's a picture of torture, right? Psychological torture, not psychological peace. And so this is the thing. I think we must experience the green pastures, the still waters, the Lord as our shepherd providing for us, for us to know in our hearts and souls, in our nervous system, that it is safe to be around this God. I want to give you some pictures of what psychological safety looks like. And I want to give you pictures of nature. So some of you know that this is where I experience a lot of the felt feelings of the kingdom of God. It's by being in nature. It's wonderful. You just walk around and you just know you're provided for. You know, for me, when I would go to uh, the park, oftentimes, um, that sometimes I would go there and still bring the world's anxiety with me. 
And one of the things that was really hard for me is a lot of the parks I would go to are very close to very busy streets, um, sometimes highways. And you would just hear all these cars zipping around, you know? And, and, and I would just get this feeling of anxiety of like, oh my gosh, all these people, they're going to work. They're doing all these productive things. And I'm sitting here chilling in a park. How could I do that? But the more that I would be there, you know, I kind of would learn. I don't need to zip around in a car and do all the things that everyone else is doing. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. These cars can go and the world will continue spinning. But I can just be here at this park knowing that I'm safe, knowing that God is with me. And, And this is where I have experienced a lot of psychological safety. And by the way, this is where animals experience psychological safety. You're like, Pastor Steve, isn't nature brutal? Not at Gallup Park, it's not. I want to show you a bird at Gallup Park, okay? So, oh, by the way, let's go back uh, to the scripture, because this is very important, right? Remember, I was saying, is the good shepherd someone who will break your legs, right? And this is a, a passage in 1 John four eighteen. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. This is what Jesus has come to bring. He's bringing the fruition of the kingdom, which is a place where you are held in love. You're held in love and you don't need to fear. Fear has to do with punishment. If you're looking over at the shepherd and you think he's always going to punish you, then you're not going to be in perfect love. And brothers and sisters, I'm well aware there's passages that talk about fear. And what, like fear is a good thing, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You guys heard that, right? It's in the Old Testament. And and I believe that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but it's not the end. It's not supposed to be the end, right? The fear of the Lord as in the respect of the Lord. You shouldn't take the Lord lightly. That's what it's talking about, right? But it doesn't mean that you end up always being afraid of God. That is not the heart that God wants to bring. That's not what Jesus came here to do. Jesus didn't call God the punisher, right? He didn't call him the shepherd who's going to break my legs. He called him Abba Father, Daddy, right? The one who is going to carry me and hold me safely, right? So having said that, let's take a look at some of these animals that I've experienced at the park. This is a robin. Have you guys seen robins before? You will notice something about this robin. One is that, so I took this picture with my phone. Um, and I got very, very close to this robin. So this is one thing that we'll, you, you'll, you'll notice. This robin did not run from me. You know why? Because so many people feed the birds and, and the animals. And so they're just not afraid of people anymore. And one thing you will notice, uh, so this is the robin I saw at Gallup Park. I just want to show you a stock photo that I just found on the internet of what a robin looks like. Uh, just, you know, ordinary robin in nature, right? And I want to see if you can tell the difference. So that's a robin, just a stock photo, normal robin. This is the robin at Gallup Park, right? Robin in nature, robin at Gallup Park, right? So this robin here, he's had some good meals, right? He's a pretty robustly fed robin, right? And he's very well provided for. And so it's not this sleek robin that is like, oh my gosh, there might be predators around me. This robin is very safe, right? It doesn't fear the people feeding it. And over time, it has learned that it's safe to be around these people. These people aren't going to eat me. These people aren't going to break my wings. These people are going to feed me and provide for me. And so the robin that normally their instinct would be to fly away from people. That when I'm walking around the park, this, you know, chubby, adorable little robin just comes comes up really close to me, right? And after a while, it's like, oh, you're not going to give me food. And then it goes away, right? I want to show you, this is a a, a squirrel. Uh, This is a squirrel at Gallup Park, right? And so I don't know if you can tell, but I am super, super close to the squirrel, right? Like, Like, just imagine, have you ever noticed that when you take pictures with your phone, it ends up looking farther away? Have you ever noticed that, right? So consider how close I have to be to the squirrel, right? The squirrel was right about here when I took this picture. This squirrel clearly has no fear, right? It's not afraid that I'm going to hurt it. But I want to show you another squirrel that I I filmed at Gallup Park. And I want you to notice, um, we're going to play this video in a moment. There's going to be some sound. 
Um, I actually say what's, what's wrong with the squirrel, but you'll probably notice there's something different about the squirrel. So there's another squirrel I found at Gallup Park. Hey, where'd your tail go? Huh? You have no tail. Where'd your tail go? You have absolutely no tail. Are you a bunny or a squirrel? <laughs> All right, so, so I was like, squirrels can lose their tails? So, so I looked it up. Squirrels can lose their tails. And you know what happens is that, that when a squirrel is in trouble, if a predator grabs a hold of its tail, the squirrel is actually able to, in the words of this One Nature website that I read, it's able to deploy its tail. <laughs> I'm like, what? You can do that? Like a glove? Right? Or just like, like if some attacker, you know, kidnapper tries to grab your, your jacket, you can just be like, have the jacket, bye! Right? The squirrel is just like, have my tail, bye! Right? Apparently squirrels can deploy their tails. Right? And so what does this tell you about Mr. Squirrel that has no tail? He was in trouble at some point. Someone tried to grab his tail. Someone tried to eat Mr. Squirrel. And so Mr. Squirrel had to deploy his tail to, to, to live, to survive. Brothers and sisters, do you know why we experience anxiety? Anxiety we think of as a bad thing. And oftentimes, prolonged anxiety is a very bad thing. But if you're ever in danger, anxiety is a very good thing. Right? So if you are in immediate danger... Your fear responses, this is what anxiety is. It's a prolonged fear response. And often anxiety is to a perceived fear. But if there's a real fear, I don't know. If there was a giant, maybe the tail, the, 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 you know, the story got flipped. And instead of a giant person coming after a tiny squirrel, maybe a tiny, a, a gigantic squirrel is coming after you. What if a gigantic squirrel came after you? Hey, you think it's so cute that I have no tail? Let's see what happens to you. <laughs> what if, I don't know, like, like you're in the woods and a bear comes after you? Your fear is very, very helpful. What your fear starts to do is that you start to have certain physiological responses. You don't think as well because you don't need to think in this, rea- in this situation. What happens is that uh, the blood gets diverted to uh, y- your limbs, Right? Because the idea is that in these situations that are very dangerous, you're going to have to run. Right? So we don't think very well when we're under stress. Because your body is having a physiological reaction to the stress that says, you are in danger, let's get ready to run or fight. Right? And so the bad thing is, is for many of us, even if it is just a psychological fear, Maybe it's the fear of what's going to happen if you fail that test. You know the, the kind of reaction that your body has? Same reaction as to a bear. And it makes no sense. It's not very helpful in that situation, right? Your body's getting ready to run, and really what you need to do is study for this test. And it's taking the blood away from your brain and diverting it to your, your legs and to your muscles, and you're getting ready to run, and you're like, what the heck, right? And you're sitting there, and now you can't study. And, and now your studying gets worse and, and your, your thought processes get impaired, right? But this is the thing, brothers and sisters. All of our reactions, they're normal and they're automatic, right? And for many of us, just a perceived threat. This is the thing. You can have stress responses, anxiety responses to an actual fear and to an imagined fear. And many of us, brothers and sisters, we live in a world where we are always afraid. This is the world you live in, right? And remember, I've been trying to paint for you a picture. If you have, have been a part of you know, LGM for the past couple of years, you have heard me talk about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is a place of psychological safety because you have a good shepherd. You have a king who is providing for you in keeping you safe, Right? 
And if you know that, not just know that, but feel that, experience that, in the same way that an animal at the park (laughs) has experienced loving humans that have fed it, they know these humans are safe to be around because they've been around these humans. They know these humans will probably feed them and not pluck their tails off. And so these animals have learned to respond in a different way. But for some of us, brothers and sisters, not only do you have an imagined threat, but you have experienced danger. You have experienced somebody maybe not breaking your legs or plucking your tail off, but you have experienced things that have caused you trauma, have caused you pain. You've experienced betrayal. You've experienced disappointment. Right? There are many, many reasons for you not to feel safe in this world. Right? And so this is why the, the video that I just showed you gives me hope. Because at some point, this squirrel was in real danger. So much danger that he had to deploy his tail. Poof, no more tail, right? It's better me than the tail, right? And that squirrel had to choose. And that squirrel was in deep doo-doo, right? But this is the thing. When I went up to that squirrel, you saw I took that, that, that video for quite a long time. Squirrel came right up to me. Squirrel wasn't that afraid of me. He was a little skittish. But what I experienced here is the squirrel was learning to trust again. Right? The squirrel was learning that maybe this park isn't such an unsafe place to be. And brothers and sisters, you experience that from being in the presence of a good shepherd. Not to stretch the metaphor too far, but I want to show you one more animal. And this is not a wild animal. This is my dog, Lucky. (laughs) So Lucky, I took this picture because I thought it was so funny. He looks very suspicious in this picture. He's like giving me side eye, like literally side eye, right? And just Lucky's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? So Lucky is a rescue. We got lucky from a a humane society somewhere in Ohio, just in the middle of nowhere, um, in in Sandusky. um, And uh, lucky was a stray. And for many strays, uh, for maybe some of you guys have dogs that are strays, um, they are a little skittish oftentimes. Why? Because they were abandoned, right? You know, and so maybe some of them have kind of lived in, you know, (laughs) lived on the streets for a while, which is kind of funny because... Again, I picked them up like in the countryside in, in Ohio. So it wasn't like the mean streets of Sandusky, right? It was probably just like the woods or something, you know, or some small town. But for, for whatever reason, you know, Lucky was, uh, uh, he, he got abandoned somehow. He was on the mean streets of Sandusky by himself, you know, and then someone, you know, brought him into the Humane Society and it took him two months to get adopted. And so he was sitting there with all these other dogs and whenever someone would come in, Every dog has the same reaction. When someone comes into the pounds, they bark, right? They don't go up and like, can you please take me home? Can you please? Most of them, they just bark. You know, I used to say that, um, you know, like you hear about all these shelters and they're like, oh man, it's so wonderful, all these dogs. I'm like, I don't know what shelter you've been to. Right? Some of the shelters I've been to have been some of the most frightening places. I went to this one shelter in Michigan where um, it's just very cramped. You know, they, they have like all these dogs and it's like 75% pit bulls, right? And uh, I wanted to go to the younger dogs. They're like, oh, the younger dogs are in the back. Most shelters do this because they want you to see the adult dogs that are harder to adopt and be like, oh, I fall, fell in love with this adult dog. But the problem is, is that the, the adult dogs are usually very vicious. And this this pound was so, uh, uh, this this place was so cramped that the the the, the cages were like here. Right? I'm like walking by and there's like a cage right here with a pit bull. And as I'm walking by, all the pit bulls are like, hur, 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 hur. I'm like, oh man, like this is, this is so intense, right? It's like, I, I kind of don't want to adopt a dog right now, right? But this is what these dogs have learned to do because they feel unsafe. Every person who comes in is a threat. Lucky never barked when we got him. He didn't bark for the, the whole like first week. We're like, oh my gosh, we lucked out. We got a dog that doesn't bark, right? That's why we call them lucky. You know, just kidding. But, you know, but I, I think the reason why he didn't bark was because he didn't know if he was going to stay. He didn't know if this was his, his home, 
right? He barks now. He barks when he thinks there's a threat to the home. There's a bunny in the backyard. Get away, bunny! There's another dog. This is my house! So now he feels ownership because he knows this is his house. Right? So he barks now, right? But he didn't bark before because he's like, I'm just a visitor. I don't know if these people are going to keep me. And this is one of the things with Lucky. Lucky, um, he was always very friendly. It's not your typical, <laughs> you know, shelter dog. But Lucky never wanted to be held. And whenever I would pick Lucky up and put him on my lap, and oftentimes, you know, I would hold him there because he's a little bigger to just kind of sit on, on my lap, so I kind of have to hold him. And what I heard for a lot of dogs is dogs are, especially like these shelter dogs, they're looking for a way out. When you hold them, right, for one, you, you know that dogs don't have arms that can hold each other, right? So they did not develop with hugs, right? This is not, right? So for a dog, a hug looks like a hold, like somebody trying to catch them, right? And, and, or eat them, right? And so for us, we're like, oh, it's so cute. I'm going to hug this dog. And this dog's like, oh my gosh, I can't go anywhere. And so when I would hold Lucky in my lap, he would squirm and he would want to get down and he would never want to be held. I took this picture this morning of me with Lucky. And so this is Lucky now. And so Lucky, uh, uh, so it's kind of hard to tell, uh, but this is where I have my quiet time. And so I have my quiet time by this window in my office. And, and usually I close the door because people are getting ready in the morning. And Lucky, I'll just hear him like, like make these little noises. He'll like, like just hit the door, just boom, you know? And if I don't open the door, he'll like, hmm, right? he just make these little noises. You know, and when I let Lucky in, the first time I let him in when he was doing this, I'm like, well, you don't like being held, right? But as I'm sitting there and praying, he would jump up on, on to my legs. And, you know, after a while, you know, so I would pull him up and put him on my lap. And whenever I did this, for the first couple months when I did this, and, and I stopped doing it because he would shake. He would shake every time. He would just shaking so much, right? And I'm trying to hold him, right? Because he's so big, he's going to slip off my lap. And so after a while, I'm like, maybe he doesn't want to be held, so I would let him down. But he would inevitably, every time I go to pray, he would come and want to jump up on my lap. Right? And now, Lucky doesn't shake at all. After I took this picture, he laid down. Right? So I take a blanket, and, and so I was wearing these pants right now, and I didn't want to be covered with dog hair, so I put a blanket down right, over my, my legs. And so I have a blanket, because he does it so often. There's a blanket just right next to where I have my quiet time. Right? I'm ready for him. You know? But Lucky has learned that being on my lap is a perfectly safe place to be. He knows that this guy, this weird human, this hairless dog, I don't know how dogs see us, right? (laughs) But he knows that this hairless dog will not harm him. He knows that even if I hold him, even if he can't move or go anywhere, He knows that he's safe. And now Lucky knows in his very nervous system. He doesn't shake. It's not an automatic response. And this is the thing. I think that I've preached Psalm 23 in a way where it seemed like all of the work you need to do through your faith. You know what? If you don't feel safe with God, that's your problem. You need to have more faith. And don't you feel safe in front of this person that might possibly break your legs? It's not going to work, right? That's not how we experience psychological safety. You have to learn to trust this God. You have to learn to trust this world that God has given you. Because for many of us, anxiety and stress are not options. You did not choose to have stress. I don't care what the self-help books tell you, that you've chosen fear. Baloney, you did not choose fear. You automatically have fear. You automatically have stress. Lucky didn't look at me and like, I want to be afraid of this man. No, it just happened. Why? Because he lived in a world where he constantly had to be afraid. Right? But now he lives in a world where he is constantly cared for and pampered and loved. And he knows 100% in every fiber of that fuzzy little dog's being, he knows he is safe. And that is a picture of the kingdom. Do you know that? If you don't, you're probably like me. 
And this is something that I have had to learn and relearn. You know, for, for many of you, you know that uh, in January, I started experiencing panic attacks. Um, and I've suffered from something called panic disorder, which is just basically having panic attacks and the anxiety around them. And when I was experiencing this, I never felt safe. My panic attacks were about my breath, and my breath is always with me. And anytime I would breathe, right, it would freak me out because I'd be like, oh my gosh, maybe I'm not getting a good breath. And I would start freaking out, right? And after a while, just everything made me feel unsafe. Every single thing made me feel unsafe. And for me, I have had to relearn how to be safe in my own body. I've had to learn how to be safe in my own house with my own breath, right? And a lot of what I've learned is being in what I call the kingdom of God. It's not just like a thought space, but it is a different kind of reality, a place where you know that the Lord is your shepherd and you lack nothing. The Lord is not going to break your legs, brothers and sisters. The Lord is going to make sure you are well fed. The Lord is going to lead you to places where you are safe. Even if you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you can know that God is with you. You can know that. That's how we are able to be safe, because God is with us. God did not promise you that you won't go through the valley of the shadow of death. He promised to be with you. He didn't promise you that you won't have enemies. He promised that he would sit at the table with you. And so even if the enemies are there, you're like, well, God's right here, so I don't need to worry so much. And that, brothers and sisters, needs to be a felt reality. This is why we pray. This is why we read scriptures. This is why we sing these songs. Because so often in this world, you are hearing a different message. This is why we're afraid all the time. Because you live in a world where the assumption is, the underlying assumption is that you live in a random freaking world where bad stuff can happen to you at any time. And you should be afraid. You should feel unsafe. All the messages you hear are telling you this, right? You look at the commercials and, you know, have you ever seen commercials for home security systems? How do they sell you a home security system? By making you feel really unafraid. Or, sorry, the opposite. <laughs> By making you feel really afraid, right? They're, they're like, like, you hear this music, and it's like, like a single piano, just... Dun -dun, dun -dun, dun -dun. And this person walks home, and they're like, oh, there's something wrong. They open the door, and it's dark, right? And there's a draft. And you look over, and the window's open. And, and the, 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 you know, the... the <laughs> what are those things? The... The curtains, thank you. The curtains are fluttering, right? And you look and you see broken glass everywhere. And you see just things scattered. And you see where there used to be a TV, there is no TV, right? And you just see broken things everywhere, right? And that person's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And if they really want to amp up the fear, the intruder is still there. Right? And the intruder runs out right in front of their kids. And the person's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then the next scene, you see the whole scene is brightened. And there's a guy in a polo shirt answering a phone call for ADT. ADT, what's your emergency? Don't worry, we got you. You're safe, right? And what they're trying to tell, tell you is you live in an uncertain world, but ADT can make you safe. What they're selling you first, what they have to sell you before security, is they have to sell you fear. They have to make you very, very afraid. This world has done a really good job of that. We're so afraid all the time. News, right? They don't lead with the heartwarming stories. Hey, isn't our world such a wonderful place? Terror in Colorado, right? Another school shooting. This could happen anywhere in America. Ah! Tune in at 11, right? And then sometimes they'll be like, our investigative reporter will tell you how you can be safe, how you can make sure your children are safe, right? Well, all I got to do is tune in at 11, and then I'll be safe. Brothers and sisters, this is what the world is selling you. They're selling you fear. This is why we go to school. This is why we make money. We do all of this stuff so we can be secure, so we can afford the security system, so, so we can have the kind of life 
where you're psychologically safe. And brothers and sisters, this is the message of the kingdom of God, is you have a God who is a good shepherd, who's looking out for the sheep, who's protecting you. And brothers and sisters, again, I want to be very clear. It doesn't mean that bad things won't happen to you. But at the end of the day, the reason why we know this shepherd is so good and so powerful is because this shepherd overcame death itself. So even if, if death itself is not the end for those who are in Christ Jesus, then we can have peace in this world. Brothers and sisters, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. The death rate for human beings is 100%. You know that, right? Nobody leaves this life alive, <laughs> right? It's just 100% rate of death, right? I, 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 like Some of you are like, shoot. You're like, you didn't know this? Sorry, spoiler alert, you're going to die, right? But this is the spoiler alert of the kingdom of God, is you have a shepherd who loves you so much that death is not the end. And so what Jesus does for us is he doesn't just resurrect, you know, love and faith. He resurrects peace. Because if you know that there is a shepherd that can defeat death and you can share in that, then brothers and sisters, we can absolutely have a new kind of peace. I want to invite the uh, praise team up. Brothers and sisters, I want to help us to learn more and more how to live in this reality. And one of the things for me is, I think, singing songs about the kingdom of God, reading scripture about the kingdom of God, sometimes memorizing scripture about the kingdom of God. Psalm 23 is a great place to start. Um, you might have heard me say this before. Every time I, I preach on Psalm 23, I highly recommend you memorize it. And maybe in the morning, you know, for me, I start my day, and this is how I usually would start my day. Oh my gosh, what am I not doing, right? I start my day with anxiety. <laughs> That's just, you know, the, the first th- thought that hits my brain usually is an anxious thought. What didn't I do today? <gasps> something's wrong, something's wrong. I'm just not right. Something's not right in this world. Brothers and sisters, what if the first thought you had of every morning was, the Lord is my shepherd, I like nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Anoint my head with oil, which is the sign of favor of what you would do for a king. That oil, it just overflows. Your blessing, your favor over my life overflows, even though there's enemies in my mess. And I know that I will dwell in this house of the Lord forever. Surely, goodness and love shall follow me, be with me all the days of my life. All the days of my life. And even when this life is over, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, how's that? For a different way of looking at the world. If that could just be a part of us, in our hearts, in our souls, in our nervous system. You wake up in the morning, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what do I need to be afraid of? Oh, that's right. The Lord is my shepherd. He's with me. Let's just take a moment to pray. And, you know, I I, I don't share this passage. I don't share this message to make you feel like you're falling short. Oh man, my faith just isn't that strong. Brothers and sisters, this... This kind of faith is a lived faith. The reason why you don't experience that is because you haven't been living in the kingdom. But remember Jesus' invitation. The doors are open to this kingdom. All are welcome. Hey, you tax collectors who've been cheating and stealing. You people who have moral failures, you've been disobeying the law, and you're sinning all over the place, and people are judging you for it. 
the kingdom of God is available to you. It's open to you. You just have to receive it. You have to receive this new reality. That's it. That's, that's how you get it. It's already been earned for you. God's love is already there. But we spend so much time listening to the messages of this world. And brothers and sisters, not as any kind of moral test, but as a way of living into this kingdom. I want you to hear these different messages. You are loved. You are held. You are safe in this kingdom. You are safe. Jesus is the good shepherd. He will not break your legs. <laughs> That's the Psalm 23, 2019 version. He will take care of you. He will provide for you. You don't need to be anxious. So let's just soak in that for a moment. If you don't feel that, that's a struggle for you, maybe you can just admit that to God. And maybe you can also admit, God, I want what you are offering. The gift of yourself and life with you. What we call the kingdom of God. I want that. It's the pearl of greatest price. It's the treasure hidden in a field that the person sold everything for. Maybe we're starting to understand why that was seen as so valuable. What could be better than knowing you're loved and cared for and not even death itself could separate you from this life? God, we thank you that you are our Abba Father. We are your children, and we did not become your children because we were so good. It was just a gift. It's just who we are. We don't have to earn our way into the kingdom by right moral behavior. We fall into it, God, when we get desperate enough to receive it. Maybe there's some people here who've just been so anxious. And just, we've been running around trying to earn, trying to get this psychological safety that we can't get on our own. Maybe we can start living into and believing this reality. And we are already loved and cared for. Maybe we can take some time this week to dwell in that. To just rest there. Maybe to walk around in a park and to feel safe in the arms of God, in your arms, O oh Lord. We thank you, God, for this tremendous gift of your kingdom. May this be a reality for each and every person here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.